0: They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced fourth and 26, stinks in and trash, AI's crossover, throwing batteries at JD Drew, Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz, the Legion of Doom, and thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend, it's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up, SoundCloud.com and iTunes in the house? It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe O'Donnell, John Mita here with you. Appreciate everybody that checks us out. SoundCloud.com, download us on iTunes, give us love on Twitter at blovepodcast Podcast. We need some love right now, peeps. We need some love, don't we, Johnny Mita?
1: Love, we need something right now. It is just, it is just down times, man. The football season has taken a massive turn for the
0: worst. It's over, brother. It's over.
1: Uh, It's over,
0: dude. It's over.
1: I wish I could argue that with you, but (laughs) at this point in time, I don't think I can.
0: Look, I I was pretty calm for Monday Night Football. I don't know if I thought they were going to lose. I don't know if I expected what happened actually. like As it was unfolding, just be like, oh, this is it. I mean, at one point, the fourth quarter started, and I literally yelled at the TV like 15 minutes basically to figure it out and save the season, and they didn't get it done. So uh, we'll get to that. It is the Brotherly Love podcast. We'll get to the Packers' loss and just how abysmal it was. We'll we'll have about 30 seconds on the Seahawks' loss since we had sort of a bye week with, uh, with the craziness going on in both of our lives. Uh, we will also discuss uh, – we're going to hand out some invisible awards, meaning guys that have been flat-out invisible. I'm sure we're going to uh, – cross streams on that list, and then we'll have our Spread the Love segment. But Johnny Media, I want to start with Nelson Aguilar. This podcast goes no further until we address this situation. Um, I I would actually like you to begin because I feel like I'm going to come with such fire and fury that uh, I might just smash something in the studio here when I'm done. So with that said, Nelson Aguilar held out of the game, coach's decision, benched, night off, whatever you want to call it against the Green Bay Packers in a must-win game. Here's a first-round draft pick. In just his second year, he was struggling mentally. He admitted it, and I will let you take the floor, my friend.
1: Well, I mean, let's take a look at the Seattle game. Uh, two costly, costly plays on his part. First one is he can't get lined up right. Not only that, people, coaches, are screaming from the sideline: move up, get up, move a foot up of the line in scrimmage. Now, granted, Should they probably call the timeout there? Yes. What happens later? Zach finds Yak Yard, which has never been done before. He scores the touchdown, and the play gets called back because the guy's not lined up right. Okay? This is not peewee football. Okay? This is not high school. You got to line up correctly. It's not that hard. Second thing, he finally gets separation. Puts on a great move to get separation from Richard Sherman. Ball hits him on a post, hits him right in his hands, and he drops it. The play would have been good for at least 40 yards if he catches the damn football. If I was the coach of the football team, if I was the general manager, I wouldn't let him get on the plane. He would have been cut right there and there. Similar similar to what they did to that Florida Panthers coach, which was horrendous. they just sent the guy home, took his bags off the team bus, and sent him home in a cab. Yeah,
0: he had to have his own that, cab, Gerard Gallant, the yeah, uh, the Florida yeah, Panthers it, head coach, yeah. It,
1: it, it, exactly. So, it, it's just, you know, you're expecting a lot of things from a first-round wide receiver. And this guy is just not produced. And I think when you look at it, we all thought, because he's going to be getting more playing time, because some other people have moved on in the wide receiver course, that this is his his time to shine. And the question that I have for him, he was bitching and complaining about, I don't want to talk about drops, then he had to come out and apologize because he knew what an idiot was. The question is, what type of preparation did this guy do in the offseason to make himself better? How do you make yourself a better route runner? How do you have the toughness? And when I speak of toughness, I'm not talking about physical toughness. Yes, that's a big part of it. But the mental toughness side of the game, you know, go to like a Chris Carter wide receiver camp. You know, seek the help of others, players that have been great. How do you own your craft? And I think this guy just went into it. I'm going to become a starter. Things will fall into place. And he just didn't take the preparation. And maybe it's just not as good as we thought we were. When they drafted the kid, Joe, I'll be the first one to say it. I was kind of liking the draft pick. I thought the kid had some talent. I just thought Chip Kelly didn't use him. But right now, it just looks like there's no improvement. And if he is that mentally screwed up right now, I don't know if he'll ever recover from this moving forward with his career.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. Anything in your, in your mind, in your opinion right now, if you had to put money on it one way or the other, is it salvageable? Is Nelson Aguilar's career salvageable?
1: No. He can't handle this. Thing. It's also part of it where you play, too. And I just this is a tough city to play in, don't get me wrong. You know, but if, if you show the effort, if you work hard, I just I don't think he's working hard. People say he's on the jug machine, but the physicality. You know, when you're playing wide receiver and you've got cornerbacks that are bigger than you, you, know, you have to find ways to beat them. And part of that is like learning how to be great with your hands. A lot of these players in the offseason work with like MM training, MMA training, and I heard John Mitchell on the radio. He said Freddie Bolitnikoff, who was a great wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders in year in yesteryear, now this is you know he was a receiver way back in the heyday, and he used to practice on a speed bag every day, just to improve his hands. So uh, no, it's not salvageable. But John, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this one.
0: This this to me, John Mita that the sitting the benching whatever you want to call it of Nelson Aguilar was the worst possible move all right and and there are several i mean, so many reasons why that like i it didn't when they were talking about possibly sitting him out or giving him a week off mental rest okay it didn't really hit me but as it got closer to game time and it became official that Nelson Aguilar was inactive i was mind blown because what message does that send what message does it send to your teammates what message does it send to the player what message does it send to the city, all right, to the organization? Athletes fight through struggles. It is all about competition. That's why you're an athlete. That's why you put in all the time. That's why you went to, uh, you know, you go to school. You put in the reps. You go through the combine. It's supposed to be about competition, trying to be the best, fighting through your struggles. Good or bad, you get back up off the mat. This sent the worst possible message to the organization as a whole. I don't know who the hell's decision it was, you know, Jeff McLean saying today, maybe it's not Doug Peterson's call. Maybe it's Howie Roseman's call. Maybe it's management. I don't care, okay? Somebody in that organization should have said, this is the worst move we can make. You're supposed to put the best damn team on the football field every single Sunday, or in this case, Monday night. Are you telling me that Paul Turner gives you a better chance to win than Nelson Aguilar? Is that what you're telling me, Philadelphia Eagles? Because if that's the answer, this organization is absolutely screwed, all right? Competition, fighting through struggles. None of that shown when you give this guy the easy way out. Absolutely embarrassing. It was an absolutely embarrassing decision. He's on the sidelines for Christ's sake, in in a in a beanie, yucking it up, making faces at bad calls. Like, are you serious? If you want him to learn, if you want him to learn to see what you know, Doug Peterson's uh, lame ass excuse about why they sat him out and how it was supposed to help him, then put him up top so he can see the whole damn field. You don't have them on the sidelines where you can't see a freaking thing. Like the All-22 Access, that film that that you can subscribe to on NFL.com, you can pay money to see the different camera angles and watch it like a coordinator. Nelson Aguilar needs a subscription. That's what they should have done. Because sitting him out sent the wrong message to the entire organization. All right, He has done nothing, Nelson Aguilar, to endear himself to the media and the fans. And I know at the end of the day that's not producing on the football field. But you brought up an absolutely great point. In the city of Philadelphia, if you bust your ass, we will support you. Period. End of goddamn sentence. And I will go back, John me to 2003. When Pat Burl, one of the most beloved athletes in Philadelphia Phillies history, had one of the worst seasons you could ever imagine for a number one, uh, number one overall pick and a goddamn bona fide slugger. All right? Pat Burl struggled the entire 2003 season. Okay? The entire season. It was pathetic. It was absolutely embarrassing. But what did Pat Burl do? He showed up every damn day, and he continued to grind. He finished with a 209 average. That is terrible, a 209 average, especially back in 2003 when most guys were hitting well over 250, all right? This is like juice-era baseball. Pat Burl for most of that year, was hitting under 200. I know because I was going to every damn Sunday game and cheering him on and telling him, with everything inside of me, you just keep grinding. We're going to get to October baseball, okay? You look at uh, July 17th, right? That's well into the season, John Mita. Pat Burrell was hitting 191. Did they take him out? Did they sit him for a month? No, they didn't. He kept grinding. Eventually got his average above the Mendoza line. And I know, look, 209 sucked, all right? But Pat Burrell didn't throw in the towel. And five years later, the Phillies got a World Series ring. Pat Burrell was an absolutely huge part of that. They could have traded him. They could have sat him down. They could have sent him to the minors. Whatever. Waved him, designated for assignment, whatever the hell you do in baseball. The bottom line is, just over a decade ago, there was an example of a high-profile athlete struggling, absolutely struggling. He didn't whine. He didn't complain. He didn't say the media had to get out of his face. He didn't turn his back on the fans, and the fans embraced him. And he got it together. And so this Nelson Aguilar thing drives me up a goddamn wall, all right? Like, if you're going to sit him, you shut him down like you shut down a pitcher at the end of a year. You sit him for week 16 and week 17 when the season's over. But the season was still at stake, Monday night football at home against the Packers, and somebody in that organization should have woken the hell up and said this guy plays. He plays through it. He plays through it. And if he's not good enough to play, he's in uniform on the sidelines with his teammates, not like a Sally on the sidelines in a in a winter cap and a parka. That's the easy way out. That is not what athletes are about. That's not what the city of Philadelphia is about. And if that is what the Eagles organization is about, if this is cool, if this is the way to get him right, then Doug Peterson and his train, why would anybody want to be on board? That's what I want to know.
1: Yeah. Um, it was definitely... I'm kind of on the fence with this one. A lot of me told me that... A, lot of, a part of me said, you know what, I think he just needs to sit down just to hold him accountable. The one thing you have to take Okay, out.
0: but John John Johnny Media. Then then yeah. bench him. Then say he's not good yeah. enough. He's out this week. Don't make it this like, oh, we want to give him mental rest. Or it's up to yeah, Nelson yeah. Aguilar. Or he you know yeah, yeah. man, he him coming out saying he's kind of struggling, that makes us think we should sit him down. No. No, what you say is that penalty might have cost us a damn football game in Seattle. Sit your ass down. That's the message yeah. you send, dude. You don't let well, him come out afterwards and cry this sob story to the fans about how he's all jacked up mentally and borderline depressed, and then you give him the easy way out. That is not what sports are about when guys are making millions of dollars.
1: Well, right, and and part of this, we, we got to look at the coach and how he handled this as well. Um, there's too much loving going on with Doug Peterson and not enough accountability, and he needs to hold these players accountable. And I know it's a different NFL. It's a different type of athlete. It, um, you know, they they kind of respond more to the per- to a more of a player's coach. But then there's times when people aren't producing. You got to take a stand and put your foot down and hold them accountable for making critical mistakes that are costing your football team games. He's not ready, and man. Something-
0: Poopy Peterson is not ready to be a head coach. I don't know if he'll ever be ready to be a head coach. And that and as this as this train has spiraled out of control. And again. Yep. The the expectations need to be reasonable. 3 and 0 was not reasonable. Yep. We were drinking the Kool-Aid. That's on me. That's on everybody else that got all geeked up, but that's what we do as fans of the yep. Philadelphia Eagles, right? Now that yep. they've come back down to earth, let's look at this situation, okay? Carson Wentz is going to be a stud. I I am convinced I was wrong. They were right. This kid will get it done. He will make this football team better long-term. I can admit that. I can see that. I watch it every Sunday, every Monday. There are enough good things there, enough good plays there. The experience he's getting now, look, it will help them long-term. But they are not ready to win this year. Unfortunately, they don't appear close at times to being ready. And I think at the end of the day... There's going to be a different head coach that eventually takes his team to the promised land. If they were looking for a yes man that wouldn't check Howie Roseman, that wouldn't challenge the owner, that wouldn't buck the trend, they got him. But I just don't know that that yes man, even with these great coordinators he brought in, is worth a damn because he's made too many boneheaded decisions. Like he's never been on a football field before. That challenge the other night over two yards. You know, at the time I'm like, ah, two yards, that's a big deal in a tight game. But you lose your challenges now. You know, you have who, right. who, somebody there has to know the damn rules.
1: Yep. Uh, you know, he could be the go-between. He could be the let's not ruffle the feathers guy, and then a guy like John Gruden, they go after and puts them over the top because everything else will be in play. But yeah, they're, you're right. I mean, <clears throat> what I don't understand is it's just amazing how like in the first three or four games of the season, even even the the, tr- the trunkey, it just seems like the play calling was in so much of a better flow, and now all these games, you know, they dropped six out of their last eight. It just seems like the play calling has just gotten worse and worse week to week.
0: Teams have tape, man. The teams have so much tape now on the Eagles. They're not out, They're yeah. not. They're not outsmarting anybody. All right. Yeah. Like I said, you know, he got out coached by Jason Garrett. That is embarrassing. Brutal. You know. Let's just jump right into the Packers game, all right? Let's just transition right, right into it here yeah. on the Brotherly yeah. Love podcast. Forget the Seahawks game. They blew it. They yeah. they were overmatched on the road, and they just didn't make enough plays. But this Packers game, yeah. if I told you it's Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers or Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz, just n- knowing nothing else about them and a huge game that each team has to have, who you take I mean, literally, honestly. Like, it's a no-brainer. And that's not a knock on Carson Wentz at all. That is Hall of Fame quarterback and very, very good head coach against inexperience and inexperience. And honestly, again, like, when Rogers started slicing and dicing them and he's playing with that swagger basically on one leg, they were screwed. They were screwed. Unless either Wentz or Peterson or a combination thereof with that lack of weapons they had, pulled a rabbit out of their hat. And there was no rabbit on Monday night.
1: It's just one thing that you, its this ongoing theme and thing that worries you about is this team just does not stick to running the football. You know, there's times where they have great success. I remember one sequence in the game. I think one play like Smallwood busted it for nine, then he busted it. And they're literally on their way. And then next thing you know, he drops them back. And look at the numbers, Joe. I think they had like 17 rushes and 40 passes. Now, granted, I know when you're, when you're down in a football game, clearly the numbers are, are going to be a little skewed. They're going to have to pass just to try to come back.
0: But my brother, they weren't right. down immensely. They were down
1: Man, four I points mean, at halftime. That's, that's right. That's yeah. They're down 14 to 10 at the half. That's the frustrating part. Right, and, and they, they get the ball. Yes, and they just.
0: And they started running the ball to start that half, right? That's the series you're talking about, where they were at midfield or whatever. And it was one of those where I said to myself, man, if they can dominate running the ball in this half, this game's over. Because we've seen it so many times. It's not just the Eagles. If you can impose your will and run the football and the other team can't stop it, not only can they not stop it, it opens up everything else. Okay, yeah. they drop Wentz back to pass. He gets absolutely smoked on that play, right? I mean, you yeah. could tell on TV, might have been tough to tell in the stadium where you were. You could tell on TV he was in pain. He was trying to gather himself. So what do you yeah. do on the next play? What you call 20-yard uh, deep into to Zach Ertz? No, you yeah. hand the goddamn ball off. You let your kid quarterback catch his breath. Why are we trying to be heroes? I know. He overthrows it, it by ten yards and the ball game's over. And that is on yeah. Doug Freaking Peterson.
1: I know. And it's just it's just the flow. Now, granted, before that, the crazy part is, you know, I'm so sick and tired. This is just a quick side note. Have I told you that I hate referees? Because <laughs> there were just a couple calls in this game, and I I swear to God, and I'm not listen, Eagles got outplayed but there's just certain sweet sequences in the game. Where these referees make these huge calls that are non calls and they just end up screwing us. Right.
0: Are, okay. Are you, are you, okay. That's where I was going to go. You're mostly you're on the receivers and the lack of pass interference or holding or whatever, right? Right. Let me. When Ertz, when he airmailed
1: that interception, right? Yeah. The play before that, Zach, it's either a legal contact, I'm texting you during the game, yeah. or pass interference. And then they don't get it. And then he puts the goddamn ball in the air again. If they get a first down there
0: because of passing a friends, then maybe they hand the ball off, and maybe we don't turn the ball over. Yeah, but dude, know. the, the anyway. referees—you have to put your—you have to put yourself in the in the shoes of the zebras for a moment. When you know a group is inadequate, or you know a team isn't good, or you know that so and so isn't a good player, it's only natural yeah. not to give them the benefit of the doubt. And the Eagles' receivers are a maligned group, and everybody in the country yeah. knows it. Those referees yeah, no. read the paper going in. They know what a joke yeah. they are. They're not giving Bryce yeah. Treggs a call in a tight yeah. game yeah. against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers on Monday Night Football. There's not a shot in hell Bryce Treggs is getting that call. Or Paul you know Turner I mean? or Josh Hoff or Nelson Aguilar. That, those, yeah, Paul Turner. Them be the breaks, bro. That's how it works. If you don't yeah, I, look who gets the calls in the, in the NBA, the stars get yeah. the calls. When you don't have That's stars, it. you don't get calls. That's it, man. That's it. And that's all. It all comes back to the folks that put this group out there on the football field, led by one, Howie Roseman. All right? You can blame Chip yeah. Kelly all you want. Howie had a summer. He didn't get it done at the wide receiver position. Chris Givens, whatever the hell his name was, Ruben Randall, both good cut. Right. They didn't make the football team. They weren't good enough. You and I thought they were nice additions, didn't make the team. Josh Huff, you had to cut him because he's an idiot. Nelson Aguilar, you had to sit him down because he's soft. Now what are you left with? You're left with Zach Ertz underperforming. Darren Sproles is small and old, and I love him to death. Ryan Matthews is fragile and fumbles, and he's soft too. You got Jordan Matthews, literally Jordan Matthews. And is Brent Selleck still on this football team? Is he? Trey Burton makes plays. Every time Trey Burton gets thrown the football,
1: he does something. God damn it. I know, man. It's so frustrating. You make a brilliant call about the refs. I mean, that is so true. You're right. They are underperformers so they will not get the calls. It's just it sucks. At times, it just comes at the worst. Oh, I know, possible man. Time. I know. All
0: right. What what but else you got bad. on the loss? I know you got other stuff. I, I'm I'm done yeah. on the loss. Yeah, I'm moving on from the. Yeah, yeah, Go ahead. I
1: mean, it's just defensively. Okay, I'm going to talk about the defensive backs on this football team. As much as we criticize the wide receivers on this football team, we also have to look at the defensive backs. And I need to look at the, the defensive back coach, Correoma. When the ball is in the air, I've never seen any of these guys turn around and locate the football. It's not rocket science. When you see the receiver's eyes get big, he is coming after the ball. All you need to do is turn your head. They never turn their head. It's like they're, all they do is permanent face guard. I don't know if that's the technique they're teaching, but it's, I see it week and week after week. Uh, it's, it just bothers the crap out of me that these guys are just not turning around because one or two things are going to happen. Either one, they're going to deflect the ball, or two, there's a possibility they'll be able to make a turnover and intercept the pass, but all they do is continue to just face guard and not turn around. Which is it's a penalty, the by the chance. way, in itself. Well, exactly. If you
0: make any kind exactly. of contact without looking back, you're a dead duck.
1: Exactly. And I'm thinking to myself, my God, like cool And, and it goes the same. And then, like, look at our cornerbacks. You know, we have Rionis McKelvin, who stinks. He just can't run anymore. He's old as hell. Jalen Mills. I like that the kid's a fighter. He's a player. I think he's got. He's got a lot of promise. But like, you know, he needs to stop his impersonation of Dikembe Mutombo. Oh yeah. Stop wag rag.
0: yeah, stop like, wagging the finger, bro. Stop,
1: stop wagging the finger. Okay, can you make the pick
0: six yes. and run it in You wag that itself, finger like, all, Ride the bull like Coy yes. Detmer used to do out in midfield.
1: Exactly. Send the finger in the air. He He, wag he wags his, his finger. Form. He
0: wags his finger on an overthrown pass.
1: Third pants that's in the dirt, like a Donovan McNabb Wordberg. He's like, Nazi Vag, you're right. You've been getting cooked at times. Alright? <laughs> then you look at Nolan Cow. He's made some good plays, but when you look at this talent, uh, like this group, as, a, as you know, overall, like, are these guys NFL cornerbacks? I've been saying it for years. You sent me an article. Like, when are we going to get that lockdown corner? Or when are we going to get two good corners? Like, Leto Shepard and Sheldon Brown, the tandem. Or Troy Benson and Bobby Taylor. Or Eric Allen and Ben Smith. Like, can, can, because we all know that this league is a passing league, okay? Constant teams on offense are running three receiver sets, four receiver sets, total empty packages. You need guys that can cover, and you need that one physical lockdown cover guy. And until we get that, our defense can't take the next step. They just can't get to the next level if they don't secure that type of talent. So, Howie Roseman, I said it in the stands. I also asked Santa Claus for, dear Santa, please bring me a corner in the offseason. I don't care how you do it, be it through free agency where we struck out miserably, or you take these next couple rounds, you pack in some players and find a way to just go just draft either corners and wide receivers. People want to talk about getting more offensive linemen. I got you. We also need a running back. But at the same time, if you look at the two you know, sets of positions that are hurting this football team, and we need to improve moving forward to make this team a winner. You better get some damn good quarterbacks and you better find some wide receivers that can play and also that can make some double moves cuz that apparently that's just, you know, a forgotten trade of the wide receivers.
0: I want to draw two parallels here with both of those positions. The first is mental toughness. I want you like Philadelphia Eagles brass find somebody with some swag, find somebody with some toughness mentally. Yeah. All right? Mental toughness, okay? Because you're going to get burnt occasionally in the NFL as a defensive back. How do you respond? And you're going to get pushed around sometimes by a Richard Sherman or by a Peanut Tillman when he was playing or by some of the top cornerbacks in the league. And it's how you respond, not like Nelson Aguilar. 180 degrees away from what Nelson Aguilar did, all right? And you you mentioned the list I sent you, the last 25 defensive backs drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, okay? The best one, the best freaking one, and he stunk while he was here, Sean Considine, okay? Nate Allen spent five years as a regular starter for the Philadelphia Eagles. Over the last 25 defensive backs Philadelphia has drafted, Nate Allen has had the longest tenure as a starter followed by Sean Considine with his two years, Kirk Coleman with his two years. His best years have been in Carolina. After that, not a guy that's been a starter. Literally, not one. Dexter Wynn, Rashad Barksdale, Trevor Lindley, Curtis Marsh, Ed Reynolds, oh, yeah. Randall Evans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Should I go yeah. on? Should I go on? Ah. There are 25 ah. players on this list from Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter. Props to him, at Jimmy Kemsky. And the list sticks. Yeah. All right? And I got one more parallel for you. This hit me as we were talking about it. You want to talk about coaching? You want to talk about coaching these guys to turn around? You want to talk about practice, as AI would say? Let me break this down for you, John Mita. Who practices against the wide receivers in practice? The defensive backs. Who practices against the defensive backs in practice? The wide receivers. So if both groups stink, you figure it out. No wonder why they're not getting any better. Our defensive backs can cover our receivers because they're garbage. And our freaking receivers... Like, they probably have success in practice because the D-backs don't turn around for the football. I rest my case. Figure it out, Howie.
1: Well said, Bob. Well said.
0: Invisible awards. Forget a commercial Uh break. Invisible awards. Then we're spreading the love. We're going to turn it positive because i got some love to give. Invisible awards. Take whoever, any number of weeks, the whole season, just Monday night. I don't care who's been invisible, John Mita. All
1: right. This is you know, and I call them we don't have and all said. night,
0: although it might take I all had, night with I this had, list. It, no, no, it, I'm it. saying. My point is, this might take a while. Oh, but but we do have to wrap it up.
1: The first one goes to Vinny Curry. The guy has been in the witness protection program. I haven't seen Vinny Curry make a sack, make an impact play, a strip fumble. Now, they're both playing him on passing downs They're playing him on the inside tackle position. And they're also running a rotation with Connor Barber. But, my God, when you get paid $45, $50 million in the offseason and you're supposed to be an integral part, and now the fact they've gone back to a 4-3 scheme and none of our players on that defensive line, you can make a case for everybody. In the last several weeks, nobody's getting home to the quarterback. And I keep screaming at Shorts, listen, if your front four is not getting home, you better spend some backers. So, for me, Vinny Curry, number one, the invisible man, and a lot of those defensive linemen have become the invisible men. Connor, Connor Barwin has not had a great year. He's been pretty invisible. Yep, got to so, go. For me, For me, it's, you know, I mean, I would say the receiving group because just none of them can play. But, uh, you know, I'll let you go on.
0: All right, I got I listed Connor Barwin. Love him to death. I've said it on this show. He is one of my favorite Eagles. Uh, he, for me, will be an all-time Eagle. If for no other reason than a good work I've seen firsthand that he's done in the community through the Eagles, you know, promoting that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I love what Connor Barwin stands for, but he ain't getting it done this year. Brent Selleck said it earlier; haven't seen him do anything in about three weeks. All right, I don't know what happened. I don't know why he's being phased out. He's gone, no longer on the Eagles after this year. Guarantee it. Mark it down. Vinnie Curry, you hit on it, he got paid, he ain't done squat. And, and if I may, Fletcher Cox now with these roughing the passer penalties on third down that keep drives alive. You know that I saw on Twitter, I believe it was Jimmy Kemsky as well because he's the man, he's, he's locked down on all this stuff. He said all three roughing the passer penalties have come on third down, they've extended drives, and the opposing team has recorded a touchdown thereafter. So there's 21 points, big man. 21 points you've cost us single-handedly if I was one of his teammates that's what I'd be saying he got paid he hadn't had a, he hasn't had a sack in like seven weeks I mean it's embarrassing yeah. it's embarrassing it's brutal, man it is and the penalties the the lack of discipline that's not just this year look the Eagles for a couple of years had some turnover problems it was driving me crazy for the most part they've cleaned that up for the most part I know they've had some turnovers that have cost some games but that's the NFL the penalty situation yep. has not gotten better, not over the last three years. All right, uh-huh. you want to spread the love? I, I got to find some romantic music. Why don't you tell us about what you're going to do this weekend while well, I try and find some romantic music?
1: What i am going to do this weekend? <laughs> Chill out and relax, man. That a guy. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, you know, hopefully watch the Eagles win a football game. Not like it matters, but – and also – and the bigger question for you, Joe, is who do you root for on Thursday night? Do you root for the Cowboys? We all hate the Cowboys. Or do you root for Minnesota to keep crashing and burning so that just improves our draft stock with that number one pick?
0: I have been all in on rooting for the Vikings to crash and burn for a number of weeks now, Johnny Mina. That will not change. All right. But I would like many right. Cowboys players to be injured Thursday night and for their season to derail as well. Now, <laughs> let's take it. Let's take it down a notch. Let's get positive <laughs> here. All right. Let's. All right. We got out all the bad stuff. All right, we've had the massage. we filtered out all the bad stuff. Spread the love, bro. Yeah. All
1: right, my spread the love. Um, hopefully we don't parallel here, Joe, but got to go to the uh, the great halftime ceremony. Probably the best part of the football game on Monday night, by far, is the induction of Merle Reese, the longtime Eagles radio broadcast. No other than the Man, Jeremiah Trotter, the middle linebacker that just served as a a pinnacle part of some of those great defenses in the early 2000s. Uh, Big ups to Mel. Just listen to this guy call a football game, had the chance to meet him in person. What a great guy. He just captivates you. Anytime that I'm in the radio, most of the time I am watching the television, but just to hear his voice call a football game without Mike Click ruining it, uh, it's just been great. He's just been such a staple, and he's one of the best in the business. And actually, I read his book, which was also good. So, Big props to Merrill, well-deserved, being in the Eagles Hall of Fame, kind of overdue. 40 years in, in, in the booth. Kind of crazy. Jeremiah Trotter, what can you say? Uh, to me, it's funny. Uh, when the Eagles went on that Super Bowl run in 04, there was one piece. There was one key free agent. And I'm on a golf course, and I said, you know what? There's one other move they need to make. That's when they got cursed. That's when they got Owen. And I said, this guy's a free agent. I said, if they go out and sign Jeremiah Trotter, we're headed to the bowl. And literally, the next day, they signed Jeremiah Trotter. And he was, thank God, we got the accident back. Another guy we never should have let go. And uh, he was just a great footballer. He loves the fans here. He's been a great ambassador. And he'll always go down as one of my favorite Eagles. And I had the opportunity to meet him. And he signed my Sports Illustrated when he's on the cover. And it says, party on accent.
0: Well done, brother. Well done. And we were somewhat on the same page. Because we usually are. And I will kill the uh, romantic tunes for a moment. And give you what uh, I'm most excited for right now. Oh, hang on. Kill the tunes. That means you got to hit pause on the tunes, radio guy. The ball is spotted. The kick is away. It's got the distance. It's gone! There is nothing better than that's it's good, my friend. Nothing better at all. Uh, being a guy in this business, somewhat sportscasting, uh, I, I I don't know if I can explain how much admiration I have for somebody to be doing it forty years with the same organization like that. That's chaos to me. Um, so props to Merrill Reese. Eight oh one remaining in the third quarter. Back goes Romo again. He's looking. He's running. He's hit. He fumbles again, and it's recovered. By Trevor so you get the uh, you get the sense here, but I will end with this one, Johnny Mita, because uh, Merrill Reese has certainly had a lot of good calls. There've been a lot of big moments in Eagles history. This is one that I actually missed, kind of in person, wasn't able to watch on TV, but goddamn, was it crucial! 14 seconds to go, 31-31. Matt dodges the punt, gets a high snap, gets it away. It's a knuckle. Jackson takes it at the thirty-five. Picks it up. Looks for running world. He's at
1: the 40. He's at the thirty-five. In the oh, oh.
0: He's at the forty. He's go for showing that. Oh he short, Guys, He's running around. And he's empty at his own. And there's no time. And the Eagles
1: win. The Eagles win. This is very coin the And Mike Quick trying to ruin the call. This is real cross! My,
0: my boy, my boy Slippery D Deshaun Sean Jackson almost ruined the call for him because he didn't go right in the end zone. He ran around like a donkey on the goal line. And Merrill's like, and he's <laughs> running around. He's like, he don't know what to say. <laughs> like, who runs <laughs> parallel? Like, It's <laughs> not like he was trying to rag more time off the clock. Like, it's game set, see ya. And there's Deshaun the <laughs> just being Deshaun, you know, dropping the ball yeah, on the I goal mean. line in Dallas. And Merrill, and he's, and he's, and he's running around like <laughs> – like he wanted to be like 10-5 yeah, touchdown instead. Like he's running along a goal line, like he couldn't figure it out, man.
1: He, it was like he didn't. Oh, man. That's a great nickname. I love that nickname you gave to Sean Slippery D. Yeah, man. Bruce... No, you should have trademarked that. No,
0: Bruce Bud. Bruce that? Bud should have trademarked that.
1: Oh nice.
0: That was our love boy it. Slippery D, man. R.I.P. Bruce Bud. Yeah. All right, brother. Good stuff. We got it off our chest. Let's uh, let's try and yeah, reconvene man. next week if we can. Hopefully, there's a win in the books. The Bengals stink. They're banged up. Let's go to Cincy and just grind out a dub.
1: Would be nice. Thanks. All right, brother. You're the man. All right, you you got it, buddy. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate
0: it. Yeah, SoundCloud.com, iTunes. Nothing but love. Let's go, birds. Figure it out. Season's over, but. You know, they're getting better according to Poopy Peterson. All right, till next time, Brotherly Love Podcast. We'll suit. See-,
1: see ya.
0: Thanks for listening to the Brotherly
1: Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.